0: This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Steve Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Late night edition of Seattle Sports at Night. Hello to you, everybody. Wipe that sleep from your eyes. Stacey Ross is here, if you couldn't hear.
2: It's like I'm just, it's just for your reaction.
1: For no one else's, you just barge right on. Oh, I'm here. All right.
2: My goal of the entire show tonight is, to like is just throw to me scare off. you. Like You're going to be like, today's timeline. Curtis! Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. I'm just trying to get that heart rate up. It's late.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. I need to be woken up because it is a, it's a late one. Uh, Stacy Ross, Curtis Rogers here with you on Seattle Sports at Night. Rumor has Jake might pop in maybe I don't know. He was up real early. He's got. I a, keep he's telling got a him, like you have a
2: newborn at home. Yeah, man, like,
1: we're fine. Like we're cool. Yeah, like we got it.
2: Only you know what he has yet to bring, the pistachios.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Rude. He posted a picture of the entire Heaps family on the counter. Behind them was a giant yeah. bag of pistachios,
1: and like barely touched. I asked too.
2: very nicely if yeah. he could bring them for us. Wh- where are
1: they at? Where are they he at, dog? also
2: said that he doesn't want to introduce his family to us because he is quote worried that they will like us more. Wow! But dude. what I heard was you're embarrassed yeah,
1: of us. Yeah, that's definitely wow. it.
2: So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see so when he gets here, yeah,
1: if he does get here, I mean, you woke up with Jake this morning on on Brock and Sal. He filled in. Potentially going to bed hearing from Jake, you're getting the full Brooke Heaps experience yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. and we're going to hopefully, if he comes by, uh, we'll just tell him, dude, like, Not get some cool. rest, man. Get just some fall, rest. Jake, you just have bigger just go to resp- sleep. Yeah, you have bigger responsibilities. <laughs> uh, but like we we said, Jake was on with Brock and Salk today. Uh, Russell Wilson stopping by. He did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Russellson hasn't stopped by on Seattle Sports and Iowa. When Jake's been yeah, here. Yeah, no big
2: deal. We uh, the station had an excess of quarterbacks this morning.
1: Yeah, is it possible to have too many quarterbacks? We, they
2: there were too many cooks in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, there were three at one time. What was...
2: happens when you have that? Like when you have the and then they fundamentally disagree about something with each other?
1: Ooh. Do you
2: have quarterback disputes?
1: I think so. You know what
2: I mean? Like that's a lot of that's a lot of guys that are used to being the leader yeah, in one of,
1: room. A lot of alpha dogs.
2: <laughs> a lot of alphas. Yeah.
1: Whereas this show we're very beta. We're very much oh yeah. Yeah, right this way. Yeah. No, no,
2: after, no totally. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree
1: with, with you. Uh-huh. Anything you say. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. are you
2: hungry or <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's uh let's check out what's on the timeline, Stacey. Okay, if you want to. All right. So yeah, Russell Wilson, he joined Brock and Jake this morning. A very lengthy conversation. Yep. Uh, great to have Russell Wilson on the station. Uh, biggest takeaways you had from, from Russ's mm, conversation?
2: It was kind of a conversation that you would... I mean, he's always professional, so it's not like he'd let slip anything insane. Um, but there, there were some interesting moments. I'm actually going to highlight the one that Brock Heward highlighted, um, which was... Well, I guess two things, technically. One that... Uh, Russell Wilson really wants to focus on the mental aspect of things he referenced Peyton Manning the way that people say like oh, no one else is smart like him like, and almost framing it as though it's like you're either really physically gifted or you're just this really smart guy and like, he wants to be known as that kind of Peyton Manning figure where people thought oh this is unstoppable and in that vein and this is what Brock Hewitt highlighted is Russell wants to be able to step on the field and have people have an opposing defense think oh no which I think is pretty candid for a quarter. I mean, every quarterback wants that, but to go out and say like I, I want to be the best.
1: That's how I try to enter every room. That's, have that's what say, I people say, "Oh no."
2: Yeah, when I g- walk on the field at training camp to uh, to take notes and drink coffee on the mm-hmm. sideline, I and, I, and I, not like,
1: get sunburned. And
2: not get sunburned. I have not accomplished that so far. No. Um, <laughs> I just think to myself, like, I want to be the best. At what I do I want to be the best note taker here live
1: breathe eat Ro- taking the, notes the roster yeah, yeah taking
2: notes that's what I want
1: just do. like uh, off the top of your head who's number 63 Jordan Roof. sure I don't know I, I, it. No. I, I don't know maybe Simmons?
2: I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Demetrius Knox. Sure, Dang yeah, it. it's some Look, offensive here's lineman. The thing, yeah. It's someone, and you don't need to worry about it. No,
1: you don't. But Did the- you
2: hear uh, Brian Schottenheimer? Talking about the history of his visor, speaking of just kind of taking notes or being like a just kind of a backup. I think it life. had
1: to do with his time at the University of Florida when he was a backup quarterback there.
2: Yeah, and he said that Steve Spurrier would throw down his visor, and it was <laughs> his job to literally just pick up the visor whenever Steve Spurrier threw it down.
1: That is a very backup quarterback kind of move. It so, is. I think Schottenheimer was at Florida when uh, the Gators were having like that really huge wave of success under yeah. Spurrier with like Danny Werfel, according back so not too much playing time going around there so i mean you got to make the backups useful somehow i, I just guess. like
2: that he that the way you measure your life is like one day i'm gonna wear that visor yeah. i'm gonna wear it every day at practice <laughs>
1: every then, day then you'll practice. See. then you will <laughs> show them all uh, he has yet to throw it down, though. No, he's not. Uh, some uh, unfortunate news today. Mariners shortstop Tim Beckham. He's been suspended 80 games for testing positive for an anabolic steroid, Stanizol. Uh The suspension likely ends Beckham's Mariners tenure. I'll say this. I think this is actually a good thing for the Mariners because... Beckham's not a guy who's going to be a part of the team's future. He was just a stopgap for 2019. Yeah. His at-bats that he might accrue over the rest of the season, they're going to go to somebody who may end up being a part of the team's future. Obviously, D Gordon is probably going to – or he, he's going to be off the injured list mm-hmm. any time now. Uh, so – he gets at-bats. Shed Long is on the injured list. Jake Fraley's on the injured list. So when those two guys come off, they're probably going to get promoted to the big league. And so, they
2: are guys that are part of that yeah, building towards the future. So
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, it is embarrassing for Mariners fans to to have a headline like this on top of getting no hit on Saturday. It's it's not something that's going to cripple the franchise the way Robinson Cano last year when he got suspended it was like okay mm-hmm. uh, well the playoff dreams and hopes of this team right. are really in the balance and as it turned out a year ago that that went away so I don't see this as anything more than just a, just an embarrassing thing more for Tim Beckham rather than the Mariners organization
2: yeah I I really I kind of had the same reaction it was more just shocking because it was out of it felt like out of nowhere but again it's something where people have been watching this team in a different way than they normally would for how many months now since since March, April yeah and uh, kind of through spring training and I think when you are constantly telling yourself to watch this game for not necessarily winning but for development of guys, I mean, it's a bit easier to take that.
1: It is. Uh, also, tonight, you've got the premiere of Hard Knocks starring the Oakland Raiders on HBO. We have not been able to watch it yet. No but spoilers. T- when when we're out of here, probably, I- I'm probably going to watch it tomorrow morning.
2: Well, then... Because
1: we're up super Curtis, late. Curtis, yeah. you get
2: some Taco Bell, That's you get right. home, yeah. and then you act like it. the champion you are. No. You sit down and watch <laughs> Hard Knocks, man. Come on.
1: Yeah. Uh, Oakland Raiders, their final season in the Bay Area... So many wild characters on this team. Who are you most intrigued to watch? I mean, Luke Wilson for a lot of Seahawks fans. I don't know that he'll be
2: featured a time. I don't
1: know. Yeah, that's the thing. He's probably a supporting character in all of this because there are so many just crazy personas. Uh, I am excited to see. Excited is Richie Incognito on this? Team? I'm not excited to see Richie Incognito, but he but is on Yeah, that. he is an, an Oakland Raider. Uh, I want to see Antonio Brown. That'd be yeah. a fun one. Vontez Perfect. That's who yeah. I'm excited to see because that guy is, from what we've seen on the field, is nuts. I want to see if that's what he's like off the field. I'm
2: actually semi interested to see Derek Carr. Yeah. I just, I feel like he's kind of gotten, you want to be a franchise quarterback and you want to be that guy, but you're kind of being, you're drowning in the storylines of every other teammate and it's not about you. And I'm really curious to know just kind of like, is this someone who seems like he can take the reins or is this someone that just inevitably they'll move on from him and they have enough superstars in the interim to, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a really interesting franchise. Check is it going to be a hot mess or is it going to be really uh, intriguing? I think it is. Or is it going to be both?
1: I, probably both. It's going to be That's one how of. I the, describe myself? It, it's how, <laughs> a hot mess and really intriguing. <laughs> Uh, that's what your dating profile says. Yep. Uh, it's like, you know, it's the car wreck. You know, you don't want to look at it, but you can't, can't help, help it. it. Yeah, you can't help it. I wonder if the Seahawks
2: net. are going to be in there a bit for that fourth preseason game. Obviously, they're yeah. not going to, like, feature any Seahawks.
1: No. But
2: I wonder if they'll be, I mean, depending on what happens, that's going to be, you know, that's your final preseason game before yeah. your roster cut down. The
1: last tune-up. Uh, and, and they don't do that, like, second wave of roster cuts. It's, yeah. They go from 90 to 53 right at, the, at all How at once.
2: Are you for gruden
1: i'm pretty excited i i've never been as infatuated with his tv personality as so many like nfl people yeah, are
2: they see him as like a caricature
1: yeah i i do think he he is good on tv but i i don't think i'm gonna be like hanging on every word of his i'm sure he's gonna have a lot of memorable sayings and a lot of just like what why would you say that or mm-hmm. something like that but uh I think this is shaping up to be one of the better seasons of Hard Knocks. Now, if it doesn't deliver, then I'm gonna be very disappointed. Last season with the Browns, I think that was one of the better seasons of Hard Knocks. Yeah, they've had some pretty they've had some clunkers out there. I think like the Buccaneers were on you it. You know the what Dolphins. I asked Jake yesterday
2: if you could p- if you could pick any single. It doesn't have to be a year when Hard Knocks even existed, but if you could hypothetically see a behind the scenes, very well produced uh short documentary on any
1: NFL mm. team
2: in any year what would it be
1: any NFL team any in NFL any year.
2: team so obviously Probably like
1: we'll, mid 90s cowboys that's the thing is
2: someone texted in and they were like 85 bears That'd like that a would be wild if, like because it's you don't really see a behind the scenes you don't have the same information yeah. about those teams. So twenty thirteen
1: Seahawks that would be yeah. a, an interesting one, especially with all the stories that we've heard about that team. Obviously, in they, the years since, yeah. And the night of the Super Bowl or the night leading up to the Super Bowl, <gasps> like Golden Tate taking one of the eye from I wish uh, I could Percy see a Hard Knocks
2: just go throughout an entire season.
1: Well, they kind of do that with uh, Amazon's All or Nothing. They do, but. It's not to the level that Hard Knox gets Hard Knocks is just
2: so well produced. It also. is.
1: It is speaking of well-produced, Seattle Sports Tonight right here on 710 ESPN <laughs> Seattle. Coming up next, Stacy, you were out at Seahawks headquarters this morning for Tuesday's training camp practice. It's the what final open practice before the preseason opener against the Broncos on Thursday.
2: Yes, this week.
1: Yeah, lots of headlines coming out from today's practice. We'll get into some of those next. Also, Big If True, Doug Baldwin sat down with the the cast of First Take and had a lot to say, specifically about Russell Wilson. We'll get into that coming up too. This is Seattle Sports Night on Seven Ten ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with
0: Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seven Ten ESPN Seattle.
1: You can listen to Seattle Sports Night via the 710 Sports app. It's driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. You can also check out every hour of every show on the 710 Sports app. You can download every podcast. You can also check out the podcast, 710sports.com. On Demand is where you want to go. Curtis Rogers and Stacey Rost here on Seattle Sports at Night. Seahawks final open practice before the tra- before the preseason opener on Thursday night. So we're less than 48 hours away. Stacy, are you ready? Do you have your pens ready to go for your spot in the press box? Do you have your laptop ready? I actually ready do to
2: not. Check- I need to order them from Amazon. Yeah. Well, cuz I really like doing different colored pens. Mm. So right now I only have black, which I love.
1: So like in your notebook, do you Like, make a different color for the type of play that it is?
2: Yeah, a scoring play. Mm. I'll do a different color so that you can easily find them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then other little notes, like if you have little side things, like this player went to the locker room, or things that you're like, "Uh, we'll have questions about this afterward, just to be able to quickly find it. Like, oh, he left in the second quarter.
1: Mm-hmm. Every uh, artist has to have their paintbrush. That's what I'm saying. we've got one in our presence tonight here. <laughs> Stacy Rost. Uh, you were also out taking notes. On uh, the Seahawks practice facility there, uh, everything going on today. Some of the biggest news and notes, Geno Smith sitting out practice mm-hmm. today. Uh, Paxton Lynch taking those second team reps for the majority of practice. And then also Bobby Wagner undergoing that platelet-rich blood-spinning treatment that so many people go Special through. Special treatment. Yeah, that 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 happens this like specific time of, of the season. Yeah,
2: and Carroll said he's done it multiple times before, so he didn't sound especially concerned at all. And for that matter when he was asked is it likely that that Wagner will play in the preseason he said yes it's likely so this is very much something like no he's not going to play thursday but you know week 3 when the starters see their most extensive action you might see Wagner week 4 maybe not really that's usually when they don't but i mean if i had to guess like a week 3 kind of get some snaps in there for him so i don't think this is something that that the team is concerned about the most concerning injury from all of those was probably Ed Dixon. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just deciding whether or not he needs surgery for a knee. Well, and injury. if
1: he does get that surgery, I think that even or that you know makes the tight end picture a lot more clear. Maybe you put him on the PUP list. Maybe you put him on injured reserve yeah. instead of having to go and cut somebody. Uh, because, it, you know, it's a crowded tight end room right now, especially with Will Disley playing as well as he has mm-hmm. early on here in training camp. You've got Jacob Hollister, who's opened some eyes, specifically Jake his eyes. Uh, and then also you've got, uh, you know,
2: Nick, Nick Vanette. Vanette
1: battling for a roster spot. You know, big things are expected from him in, what is this, his third year?
2: I think it's uh, his fourth.
1: Fourth year, yeah. So uh, a lot of crowdedness in that tight end room. Maybe Ed Dixon's injury opens up. Uh, the competition there, or maybe for whatever reason, they're able to, uh, you know, find something there. Mm-hmm. But the Bobby Wagner stuff last year, we kind of said the same thing about KJ Wright because he had this exact same procedure done right before the the beginning of the season, or was his more of an arthroscopic?
2: I think surgery. his was more of a scope, but I don't okay. know for sure.
1: But I think a lot of people looked at it and said, "Oh, this isn't something that we should worry about," and then it turns out. We, we should have worried about it because he ended up missing the majority of the season. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Bobby Wagner here. Yeah. But it, I, I think I am a little more concerned just based off of... The recency. Yeah, and the timing of it. So close to the regular season, we're about a month away.
2: I don't know. I guess I'm not concerned. But I think I didn't... I, I see them as two different things. What K.J. Wright... Because his was last minute... K.J. Wright's was... Wasn't it like a week before the season started?
1: It was really close. I think it was after the uh, final preseason game.
2: And KJ Wright also had a setback in his return from it, f- like I think from through practice. So it was something where he was working back from it and then, you know, had some kind of issue. At least that's the way it sounded last year. I still think it's kind of a different approach. Although, I do agree with you in theory of just saying this is a player that you, the most important player on your roster outside of Russell Wilson, who just had a procedure done. How concerning is that? But there are quite a few players who have undergone this on their roster, and there's still a month before the start of the season. I would be concerned if you didn't see Bobby Wagner in the preseason at all. And... Uh, if he didn't get back to practice or if he was on the injury report ahead of week one, that's when I think you start saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. When people have had this done in the past, they haven't missed time like this.
1: So with all of the open practices in the books leading up to the first preseason game, do you feel like you have a good read on who these Seahawks are right now?
2: No, because you it's really, really hard to gauge a defense. Like You can see... Uh, like a cornerback, how he does in coverage. Like you can still intercept the ball at this time of the year. But again, it's, it's really hard, especially with that D-line. That's what everyone is watching for. Like today, uh, Quentin Jefferson kind of rushed around and you can't touch Russell Wilson. You can't sack him. So Russell Wilson knows this. So he's standing there and delivers a pass to, I forget who it was, probably Tyler Lockett. And uh, he caught it in a game situation, would Quentin Jefferson have had a sack? Would Russell Wilson have scrambled and then picked up yards with his legs or, or found another target? You know what I mean? So there's still stuff stuff where you're like, this could either be something really positive for the D-line that you look at and you say, oh, Quentin Jefferson's coming along really nicely. Or it's something where you just think, well, it's not like the offensive linemen can like really go full force. So I think that the, the parts of a team that are hardest to gauge in training camp are also the biggest question marks for Seattle. So it's going to be really hard to tell. And that's why these four preseason games are more important to a team like Seattle than it is to, to other teams that don't have concerns there.
1: Uh, some other news coming out today. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network uh, talking about LJ Collier and his recovery from his ankle sprain. Uh, he He mentions that the sprain is on the top of his foot, which is pretty rare in mm-hmm. in the NFL, and uh, he also mentions that he's got a legit shot of being ready for Week One, mm-hmm. which I think that is a huge sigh of relief, considering that what Collier had to be hauled off on on the are str- on the uh, the cart. John Deere cart, the, yeah. the tractor there uh, when when that's brought out, that's usually you know doomsday scenarios yeah. that are running through your head. The fact that he could be ready by week one, I think that puts the Seahawks at a much, much better spot than if he were going to miss three, four weeks, especially considering the start of the schedule that the Seahawks have after the Bengals game, which I'm not penciling it in, or I'm not writing it in pen as a win, but I feel confident in the Seahawks with or without LJ Collier in that situation, especially because Cincinnati doesn't have A.J. Green for the first few weeks of the season. Uh, but with Collier there and it being a home game and Russell Wilson being healthy and just the Bengals having a terrible defense going up against the Seahawks offense, it it looks to me like it's it's pointing Seattle's way. Obviously, we're still a month away from Mm -hmm. that, but where the Seahawks are with Collier is much better than who they are without him, and they're going to need him, and whether or not he's an every-down guy at that point, they're just going to need him to be out there, especially when they're going up against the Steelers and the Saints and the Cardinals and the Rams and all these teams early on in the season. Like we, we saw last year, if the Seahawks hadn't had that 0 2 start, maybe they're an 11 win team. Maybe they're a 12 win team. Yeah. Maybe they worked their way, you know. Well, actually, they wouldn't have because. Or LA finished with 13 wins, but 11, 12 wins.
2: Well, momentum does a lot for someone, or it lets you, if you get far enough ahead in a game, maybe you're able to prevent an injury to a starter, give them them a couple, like a series or two off. So, yeah, I mean, to play devil's advocate, I do think that it's still concerning that LJ Collier will be missing reps. I mean, he's transitioning into the pros for the very first time in his career, obviously, as a rookie. Uh, Dwayne Brown, offensive lineman, described him as having a lot of potential but still being pretty raw. So I think that while it's great news that he could potentially not miss time in the regular season, those reps during the preseason are just invaluable. Oh yeah, and he's not currently on the practice field getting them.
1: And we saw last year Rashad Penny, who missed a lot of the preseason. Yeah, exactly. Lose out on a lot of that key development for those first year players. And it was jarring,
2: not only because he, you know, had never been injured before, and so it was just really weird to him to suddenly be injured, and you you don't quite know what to do. But you are a first round pick. There's a lot of pressure on you, and all of a sudden it feels like you're behind and you don't know what to do. I mean, I think obviously these are professional athletes who are used to dealing with pressure, but I think sometimes fans, you know, when you're trying to analyze why it takes someone a while to get going, you forget that like rookies are also 22 year old young men who are transitioning into a new career field with a, with a ton of eyes on them, a lot of pressure. And it's not easy to, to try to catch up when you're, worried about being behind. And so that's why it's so important to like, you know, like for Rashad Penny to try to stay healthy, keep studying a playbook. For Collier, it's, you know, you obviously want to do those things too, but it's like, man, how do you, how do you replace what would be practice getting after the quarterback? You know what I mean? So...
1: Coming up 25 minutes from now, we need your text questions to the Coors Light text line. It'll be your chance to ask us anything. But coming up next, Doug Baldwin sat down with the guys on first take, talked a lot about his time with the Seahawks, including one of his most recognizable teammates. That's Russell Wilson. What did he have to say about the quarterback? That's coming up next on Big If True right here on Seattle Sports tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost.
0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Get those text questions into the Coors Light Text line 710-710. Curtis Rogers and Stacy Rost here with you for just a few more moments on this Tuesday night. We're just, what, less than 48 hours away from Seahawks preseason opener, which you can catch on Thursday right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Pre-game show begins at 5 o'clock. Kickoff is at 7 as the Seahawks take on the Denver Broncos. I'm
2: excited to have snacks.
1: Yeah, CenturyLink Field, they really, uh, they, they bust it out for the media mm-hmm. when it comes to snacks. Well, I like bringing my and... own snacks
2: because they have coffee there, but then it's nice to just sit. You know that you're going to be sitting down for four hours with snacks and a coffee. Yeah. It's just a great time. It it's is. a great time to be alive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know what Stacey's looking forward to on the I really Thursday. look forward to snacks. <laughs> yeah, snacks are I'm not alone. Dumb.
2: Like, I'm not, everyone does.
1: Yeah, snacks are the best.
2: The greatest. I like Bunny Graham Friends, Cheddar Bunnies. Oh,
1: yeah? You're a Trader Fanny's. Joe? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. There it is. Uh, coming up uh, right now, we got Big If True. Doug Baldwin, he sat down with the cast to First Take, what was it, on Monday, and talked a lot about Russell Wilson. So let's get into that here on Big If True. This can't be
0: happening! Big, you can't be serious, man. If did, did he say he that? True, history is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You
1: cannot be serious. Big if true, Russell Wilson's former teammate, longtime teammate Doug Baldwin, he joined Big if or he not Big if true. He joined First Take. This is Big if true. Is Doug Baldwin joining us on Big if true? Probably not. Mm. Maybe one day.
2: No, I don't think so. Oh well. It's a you thing.
1: Yeah, it is. But uh, these two guys, they're going to be connected, I think, for as long as they remain in the public eye and, and as long as their football careers get talked about. Because Russell was the only quarterback for the majority of Baldwin's career, save for the 2011 season when Baldwin was just a rookie. And I mean, obviously... You've got these two guys who connected on so many passes and so many touchdowns throughout their career. Maybe the best quarterback-wide receiver combo in franchise history if you look at just the, the numbers and just the productivity of it all. Doug Baldwin asked about Russell Wilson, and he says he's got room to improve. When I look at Russ, I think that there's untapped potential there. Okay. I think that there's still a lot of room for him to improve as a quarterback. And I'm not saying that he's not a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I played with the man. I know, I know his talents and his abilities now, but I think there's still some untapped potential there. And what we're talking about five years from now, then I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about six. I'm talking about one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I, I believe he has that ability. So, I mean, it's, it's not like a glowing compliment, but it's also not something bad. I don't think Russell it's Wilson. bad at all. And I think a lot of people heard what Baldwin said and how he wasn't like I super think, complimentary well, of I, Rose. I think
2: that people think that a a that any teammate needs to be like absolute best friends with the quarterback and that you cannot say anything bad about the quarterback. And even people think that on the outside about just writing about a quarterback. Like I think I wrote. Not to make it about me, but I'm really good at doing that. I wrote yeah, some yeah. previews for the season and it was for each p- position group. So obviously, you have to write about the quarterback. Well, it's one person. So he's going to fall into every single category. So you have to do like breakout candidate, um, biggest question, storyline. So he's in each one. And people were getting like upset that I had him in breakout candidate. And they were like, what more does he have to prove? And it's like, dude, I'm not like, like I'm, y- I don't have a choice here, but if- people just get really defensive about a beloved franchise quarterback, as many teams would, I'm sure this is how New Englanders feel about Mm -hmm. Tom Brady or people in Green Bay feel about Aaron Rodgers. I think that people get really resistant to any kind of critique, but it's like, who is most capable of giving that critique? Someone who played with him for eight years? and knows him very well, and probably knows that this is something that he would say about himself, or, or someone who watches on the outside.
1: someone hosting at like 1230 at night on a Tuesday. Us. Yeah, exactly. The answer is us. It is. Joke's on you. Gotcha.
2: <laughs> gotcha, Doug. Uh, no, but I think it's, I mean, I don't know. I I, rem- I, know people were talking about it as kind of a dig, but I feel like based on this audio, which is, granted, it's all I've heard, like I don't see a problem.
1: Yeah, now there was uh, another thing that Baldwin said because they gave uh, a quarterback ranking that had Russell Wilson at seventh among all thirty-two starting quarterbacks in the NFL, which it's not bad. I mean, top seven—you're you're certainly a playoff caliber quarterback. I think a lot of Seahawks fans would put Russell Wilson in the top five. I know I would. put I think him there's in the a lot of five. Seahawks fans
2: would, that would put him like number one overall.
1: Yeah, probably ahead of Tom Brady and ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Which, I, I think that's a little, you know...
2: I'm not going to knock a fan for doing it, yeah, though.
1: But you're also disregarding, like, legit greatness in the league. And Drew Brees also is in that category. Uh, Baldwin was presented with this rankings, and he came away a little confused by it. Is there six quarterbacks better than Russell Wilson? It depends on what your criteria are. I don't I don't this know. This is just
0: purely talent. You're playing purely analyst talent. here. This is not personal, obviously, of a relationship personal for with him. Purely, purely
1: personal. talent? Yeah. I mean, Russell Wilson's one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the league, so purely talent, he's he's up there. I mean, him giving sort of a non-answer there. I think that is something. I think people had a bigger problem with that than his first answer. Uh, where Yeah, he said he but why does run. he
2: have to feel that way? Like, because you and I might feel differently about it than Doug. Like, maybe I believe that Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Doug Baldwin thinks, but Doug Baldwin is also allowed to be like a football fan too and Mm -hmm. is allowed to be like, you know what? Me as a player and me as a fan might prefer uh, a different style of quarterback. I don't think he's saying that he's not good. I'm not just like defending him for no reason. I'm just, I feel like we have a similar conversation, not you and I, but just as like, talking about anyone's interaction with a franchise quarterback i think russell wilson is insanely talented i think he's the best quarterback that's ever played for seattle um Easily. without question and i think that the seahawks made the right decision in extending him um but i also think that like he would be the very first person to tell you that he's not immune from critique critiquing and I think that he probably critiques himself all the time if I were to guess
1: yeah I think the relationship he has with Brian Schottenheimer that was a big that was a big sticking point early on that the Seahawks wanted to bring in somebody who Russell Wilson was going to be open to receiving critique yeah. from that there was that there was I don't know if this is true or not but the relationship between Daryl Bevel and Russell Wilson I don't think it was a two-way street I think it may have been. Russell doing whatever he, it is that he did and Daryl Bevel saying like well i mean he's the quarterback what can i say I think because-
2: sometimes we just see it as like a black and white thing like either you have to like just defend someone without saying any flaws or any critiques or you hate someone and it's like well or sometimes you are a player who knows him or sometimes you're a coach or sometimes you are working in the media and your job is to take a step back and look at someone, you know, from that like 100 foot kind of angle and see like, all right, well, where could this person get better or where do they want to get better, you know? And so, I don't know. I just, I feel like sometimes it's, I, I, the defensiveness around it makes me uncomfortable sometimes because it's been directed at me before and it just anyone in media, and you always want to be like, dude, I, I agree with you on 90% of the things. Yeah. Please don't get mad at me. I'm a nice person.
1: I, I want <clears throat> to know what Doug Baldwin's thoughts are on Russell Wilson halfway into the season and then at the very end of the season. because This season? Yes, because I want to know like if Russell Wilson's out there and is like number one MVP candidate right. halfway through the season.
2: Does that change?
1: Yeah, and then like at the end of the year... Seahawks go 12 and 4 or something like that. Does does Doug Baldwin's opinion on or or does his answer to that kind of question change and is has he reached that improvement that Doug thinks he can get to?
2: Maybe. You know a question I always have is if if Seattle finishes with like 12 wins or if Russell Wilson has a great season, but if he's not a if they do it without him being a 4000 yard 45 touchdown guy is it is it unfair for him to I'm phrasing I'm doing a double negative I wonder whether or not he would be part of a legitimate MVP conversation because I think it challenges the way that people measure how successful a quarterback is or how good you are at being a quarterback. And this is mostly Jake Heaps' opinion. We were talking about it the other day when he had an issue with where Russell ranked in the NFL top 100. And he was like, literally, the only difference is that he passed for fewer yards Mm -hmm. and he was he was ranked lower, but in in every other stat, he's so much more efficient. Yeah, the in rate,
1: QBR, just every kind of yeah, efficiency. Yeah, so I just
2: wonder if if the team's record puts him in that conversation. Are folks, especially like on a national kind of platform, going to have to question how they grade a quarterback?
1: Well, and also, yardage thrown by a quarterback is not the best way to measure success of a quarterback, and also it's not the best way to measure the ultimate success of a team. Matt Stafford throws for 4,500 yards right. every single season. Yeah. The Lions, at best, are 9-7. and seven.
2: Right. What so do I... you look at him and do you say, well, he needs to be top 10 because he's got a cannon? Or do you look at him and you say, well, he throws for a ton of yards, but what's his QB rating? Yeah. You know, where is he... how efficient is he? How much is he contributing through the run? Like, what is he doing? You know, is he... Well, yeah, Obviously, we heard you don't have this information. We but heard adjusting play call.
1: We heard earlier this offseason, Golden Tate saying that Matt Stafford was the best quarterback he ever played with. Like,
2: yeah, I don't know about
1: that, dude. Come on, now. Like, I mean, you can say that it, it's your opinion, but statistically speaking, that's not even close to being the truth. And and even second year Russell Wilson, because that was the last version, yeah. of Russ that he played with. I would still take second-year Russ over, what, 10-year Matt Stafford?
2: 2013 Russ. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. No, I think it'll be interesting because I don't know that he'll surpass 4,000 yards this year. But I. every other uh, metric, I think he will continue to, if not match, improve on. He's looked stellar this offseason and the preseason. Looks like he hasn't missed a beat. So it'll be interesting because it's like, well, are you going to have to be... You know, do you have to be Tom Brady? Maybe that Tom. He set the bar so high.
1: Dang it, Tom.
2: Tom. You and your beanie. Come
1: on, man. So annoying. Ugh. Coming up next year on Seattle Sports Night, we wrap up the show with your text questions to the Coors Light text line, 710-710. Ask us anything. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is Seattle
0: Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross on 710 ESPN Seattle. Shout out to you Curtis! for
2: saying
1: again. Yeah, no, no. Oh, yes. I get happened. I'm sorry. Again. That one was mean.
2: <sighs> it's just fun.
1: Before I was rudely interrupted, I was thanking you for stopping by and, and taking us uh deep into the night here on 710 ESB in Seattle. Curtis Rogers and Stacy Rost and
2: just, just, yeah!
1: just gonna interrupt everything. Yeah. Uh, it's your turn to ask us anything on the Coors Light text line as we send you on your way, uh, send you into Wednesday. Uh, so, Stacy, what are you seeing out there that's catching your eye?
2: Curtis. What's the scariest thing that actually exists?
1: The scariest thing that actually exists. This is coming to us from the four two five. The scariest thing that actually exists are sinkholes. Those <gasps> can come out of nowhere. Oh, I didn't
2: even think about and that. And they, yeah. And I was they, trying to think of like diseases. They come or something.
1: out of nowhere and like you're just gone. You're dead. Like it, you're in the earth. Forever. What like, causes sinkholes? No one. Knows. It's. May, I think it's like the tectonic plates. Like just plates. uneven. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you just.
2: Or unstable. Yeah, I you're, mean, you're
1: gone forever.
2: Oh my god! And what an awful way to die. Yeah,
1: they've got some wild sinkhole documentaries on Netflix. Watch them.
2: I think when I think of scary things, I think of like pandemics.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Wait, is that the word I'm looking for?
1: Epidemics, <laughs> pandemics. Yeah,
2: pandemics and epidemics. All, all of the demics, uh-huh. uh, yeah. really. But like, I listened to this podcast the other day that was about the, um, not the Spanish flu. Was it the Black Death?
1: Okay, the plague. And,
2: yes, the plague. And it's crazy to me. That that like think of like millions of people
1: that nearly think of like a
2: population a per, a huge percentage yeah. of a population being gone
1: like the whole world almost that's
2: what I'm saying like it is dead. it's just weird I know that something like that hasn't happened it, since then but it <laughs> is just it's wild like I had no real concept of it and I still don't but it's just weird to listen to it and think you would think it is a real life horror movie only there's no zombies and there's no uh, like crazy weird, you know, uh, backwards walking and trees trying to kill you, and Night Shyamalan stuff. It's just that there's just a disease that's like spread by probably like a rat. Yeah. Just, yeah. I think that's horrifying to me. I know it doesn't exist now, but mm-hmm. yeah. Any kind of crazy contagion.
1: There we go. I just
2: don't like germs or viruses. All of it's awful. Curtis. Yes. Um, what's the worst job you've ever had?
1: Okay, uh from the 360 on this one. The worst job I ever had, uh I I worked two summers for a bounce house company and Bounce house? Yeah, like uh it was independently owned. It wasn't like uh there are a few
2: Independently it was yeah. just like someone's yard. They were
1: <laughs> It was like a dude that owned a bunch of like no. bounce houses and no. uh I got paid to like drive a truck around and go set them up at like kids birthday parties and then on days we didn't have booked we'd set them up like all of our bounce houses in a giant like open lot and people would come and pay money to jump on them and just hauling them around and unloading a bounce house by yourself and having to set it up Ugh. it was awful But did you ever get hot. to go into
2: the bounce house?
1: I mean just to like tear it down and stuff and we never got paid regularly You never just either. went into
2: it to like jump around you were I like mean, I'm already here like no one's jumping on it when you set
1: them up after a while yeah they lose their luster and like we never got paid regularly either Ooh. yeah it was not fun That's bad news bears it, yeah what was your worst job
2: um pff, man i've had a lot of bad jobs i did one where i used to have to go to fairs oh. like not even cool fairs like the Puyallup fair i think a fair that someone would oh. you, someone would tell you and you'd be like Well, the
1: expo hall they have a fair the there fair.
2: they you you uh, and I would sell gutters.
1: No. Did they have, like, that rushing yes. water yes. going down them? So oh, I have, love like, those. like, a set where you'd be yeah. like, oh,
2: this, and then it was- Did you wear
1: the he- he- cordless mic? No. Oh. But
2: um, I did have a lot of, like, uh, especially older men. It was kind of weird. It was like they would, like, test me, like, as if Uh-oh. I was, like, Uh-oh. trying to- It's like, dude, clearly I don't- know any yeah. of this i am a like 18 year old child here <laughs> to like get you to sign up for this if you want to do it then do it if you don't please stop quizzing me and yeah. like g- accusing me of being like a gutter fraud
1: mm, um, gutter fraud <laughs> the worst <laughs> kind of fraud the worst
2: kind of fraud um i worked at the zoo which oh. was fun uh what exhibit
1: were you in charge of? oh i
2: wish it was uh uh, just like basic ticket sales but when it's ticket sales you do like four different jobs so there was one where you sell tickets at either the north or south gate uh which was fun because you just kind of chill after like 2 p.m even though the zoo's still open no one's spending 20 bucks to go to the zoo for two hours so it's totally dead um and you just sit and read uh, and then another one, though, that was awful was the carousel. I want you to imagine working a carousel for like Would you get six or seven hours.
1: Dizzy, like, me, were you're you on it. it?
2: I wasn't like, on it, but you have the carousel music and, and then parents are really mad. And it goes. Yeah, it's just, I just think I got some of the, anything that you have in customer service when you're dealing with people you just see some of like the meanest parts of people Yes, when like they, you have no power compared to them. So they're just mean to you. And I feel like it taught me some really sad life lessons at like 18, 19, 20, where you just, you're confused as to why someone's being this mean to you.
1: That's going to do it for us tonight here on Seattle well, sports. Tonight. just a real upper of a, of a note late, we leave Curtis. on. Yeah. I'm tired. Uh, I believe all three of us will be uh, in action tomorrow night on Seattle Sports Tonight. Yeah. We'll be following the Mariners post-game show as they uh, have a day game against the San Diego Padres. So for Stacy Ross, I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.